so good to be with you today, and I so appreciate Payton's prayer, and uh, let me just uh, pause right now, and uh, before we jump into the sermon, I want to say to you in light of the events of this week and what's going on in the world around us, that uh, Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the nations, and that's just as true today as it's ever been. And I hope that you can rest in the promises of Scripture. He is truly in charge. And there's this thing uh, that Dallas Willard says that I sometimes have a hard time believing myself. At least I believe it's true, but I have a hard time living into it. He says, God's universe is a perfectly safe place for you to be. God's universe is a perfectly safe place for you to be. And I want you, if you can, in the presence of the Lord right now, to receive that. And to know that as Jesus Christ is in charge of this whole universe, you're very, very safe. Thank you for your, your prayer, Peyton. Let me, let me open us here by inviting the Lord into this time. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word and the great privilege we have to open it up in a context like this to expect you to meet us in the sacrament of the word, for your presence to be communicated to us here. What a gift it is. We thank you for it now. Let us hear, let us trust, let us live into the realities that you show us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about leadership. We started very intentionally by spending two weeks talking about leadership and humility, where basically we just talked about humility um, and uh, said that leaders need to have this. Uh, and then we've moved on to talking about leadership and authority. But the whole thing doesn't work if you don't start with humility. That's what I hope you understand. Humility, first of all, among leaders, and humility among the people who are not leaders in the church. This is how this thing gets going. It's how it functions as a different kind, as an alternative social reality. It only works if the character of Christ is manifest in people. I want you to know that is my concern. That's, that's what I want when, when preaching something like this. I don't want to just choose random Bible verses and say, well, let's talk about this because I found that in the Bible. What I'm after as in, in general uh, with, with the teaching I do at the church. I'm after teaching the Word, of course, because I believe it's the Word of God, but I'm after taking the Word and looking for the heart of things. What is God wanting to do among His people? He's wanting to create a different kind of community. And that only happens if the character of Christ is manifest in people. And I believe that that character can spread, uh, at least, I won't say only, but I'll say ideally, and, and perhaps rarely outside of the context where there's a, a, a leadership in place that reflects the character of Christ and where the congregation understands then the, the scriptural teachings about submission in light of uh, who Christ is and what he's given his people to do. This is how congregations can flourish, I believe, and flourish not just numerically or something like that, but flourish in kingdom realities, flourish in Christ's likeness, in Christ moving among us. That is what we are really after. Um, I want to just remind you, maybe you weren't here last time when I gave these sermons. We're, we're talking about the explicit teaching that Scripture gives about, about leadership in the church. I'm not asking this for myself. 
The elders are the ones with the, the final authority around here. Even if I have a, a functional or derivative kind of authority, I don't have that kind of final say around here. So I'm, I'm preaching this. It would be very difficult for me to say this to you. If this were for me, I'm asking you to do this for me. It's just hard to say those kind of things. But I'm not, so I can, I can preach this and tell you I'm trying to live this out. And uh, it is what I believe I have done uh, since I've been here. And, and I'm uh, committed to it because I believe it's scriptural and I believe it's beautiful. I, I'm not talking about, when we talk about leadership, I'm not talking about accepting abusive leadership. We qualified that carefully last time. If you're in a situation where there's abusive leadership or just leadership you do not trust to reflect Christ, then you're not in a good situation. It's very likely you need to find somewhere else to be. That's just the, the fact of the matter. And if I didn't believe that the men who are elders here were trustworthy men of God, I would just have a very difficult time giving any of these sermons to you. Um, because that would, be, uh, that would be putting you in a bad situation. But I have a lot of confidence in, in the people who are elders here, the men who are elders here, and I'm very thankful for who they are. Let me say to you that, that uh, submission itself, it's a hard word for us to hear sometimes, but it is actually a spiritual discipline. At least in some of the books you get on, on spiritual disciplines, you will find them talking about submission. Let me read to you. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, but let me read to you what Richard Foster says about submission. Submission is the spiritual discipline that frees us from the everlasting burden of always needing to get our own way. And just think about that for a minute. In submission, we are learning to hold things lightly. We are also learning to diligently watch over the spirit in which we hold others, honoring them, preferring them, loving them. See, that's a beautiful spiritual discipline. And of course, as we talked about in our class today, uh, submission is a mutual thing in the body of Christ. And there are ways in which elders submit as well. We're all submitting in different ways. We're focused specifically now on the, the more authoritative kind of uh, thing that goes on and the, the place where there's authority in the church. But really we should be, all be open to and interested in pursuing this beautiful discipline of submission. And when you hear these things that we, we are talking about today, I hope you will take it as an invitation to grow in Christ-likeness. To learn how to hold things lightly. To learn how to prefer others above yourself. This is, this is what we want in the body of Christ. I want to tell you about something I read. I can't remember where I read this. I would have looked it up. So uh, I, instead, I looked it up online and uh, found that there were multiple occurrences of this. But I, I read somewhere about a woman who in contemporary society, had a ceremony, and she married herself. Have you ever heard of that? I'm not joking. It's, it's serious. Look it up online. And then, so I looked it up, and I found there are multiple women. I didn't, I didn't look up men. Maybe some men have done it too, but I found multiple women have married themselves. And one woman, even recently, I think it was 2021, she married herself, and then she divorced herself. <laughs> I guess irreconcilable differences or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and seriously, they're, they're having ceremonies. They're inviting their family and friends. And they're standing there and they're making commitments to themselves. And I want to tell you, as we're talking about leadership, this, is, this goes back to where we left off uh, two weeks ago, talking about the, the uh, 
society that has been created that makes it difficult for us to receive leadership. We live in such a radically individualistic society, not just a society that prefers itself or, or individuals within the society who prefer themselves, right? That's part of it. Part of it, though, is a society that calls into question the, the foundational institutions that have shaped society for generations, like marriage, like the church. And in our individualism, in our radical freedom, this freedom that's taken to absurd measures like we talked about, we start questioning everything and we think, well, it's just for us. I should be able to do whatever I want to with marriage. Who cares if it has a theological design, if God has an intention for it? Who cares if it has a sociological function that's very important? I should be able to take it and do it myself because I'm an American and I'm free. That's, that's where we've come in our society. And our freedom tied to our individualism uh, creates a, a firestorm of problems when you start to talk about where, where actually are you under authority and how does leadership function. I was reading, I keep up with some sports news, and just uh, this weekend I read about James Harden. I don't know if you know James Harden, a, a famous superstar basketball player, but he was traded and uh, he said something like, I should have the quote up for you, but, but I'll, just, I'll just say generally what he said about changing teams. Maybe he demanded a trade or something, but he's now with Philadelphia. And he said, I had to do what's best for me in my career and what's going to make me happy. And it's quoted in the article. And nobody says anything about that. We were like, yeah, okay. And, and now it's hard, to, it's hard to pull for professional sports teams because everybody's always doing what makes them happy. And your favorite player leaves every other year. <laughs> the idea of loyalty and commitment and considering the group as more important than the individual, you see, that is long lost in our society. Silas, don't you come back with anything here. What do you want to say? Who did? <laughs> okay, you were right. Okay, all right, well, we're going to have to talk about this later. <laughs> Silas is my sports buddy, and uh, we have a lot to process. <laughs> okay, so we talked about last week the uh, privatization of faith. Now, we, I talked about multiple factors, but I want, I want to settle in talking about the privatization of faith for just a minute, remind you of what that is. It's, it's in this individualistic culture. We, we talked about the separation of church and state and what that eventually, it was not the intention, I think, of the people who originally uh, uh, put this into the law, but it, it became, over time, an idea that, that not only can you choose your own religion, can you choose your own church or whatever, but you can actually choose your own moral values. You can choose your own gender. You can choose your own sexual, sexuality. You can choose how you want to live your life in any way. So, so not just your choices about where you go to church are privatized, but your choices about everything related to church is privatized. And you're not supposed to bring that into conversation in any way that makes it a public issue. I, I remember, I think it may have been the year 2000, whenever Bush and Gore were running against each other, and I remember watching a debate with them, and Al Gore said uh, in that debate, they were talking about abortion, and he said, uh, and I didn't know what to do with this at the time, I think. I, I was you know, 20 years old, just learning things. But he said, uh, I'm against abortion. 
But that's just my private view. What? It's just your private view. Now I understand. You see, this is a, uh, uh, in other words, he was saying this can't be a legal issue. This can't be a public issue. He was adopting this cultural stance that things related to the church should be private. And that gets gets into all kinds of moral issues. And uh, it ends in incoherence. Because the truth is everybody is taking their moral values and taking them into the public realm in one way or another. If you, for example, were to say, well, I'm against racism, but that's just my private view. No, that, that's absurd. It's wrong. <laughs> and so we, we, we address it publicly because it's wrong. I'd say the same thing about abortion. It, it's, it's wrong. And so it's not just something that's just your private view. <laughs> right? But this is that, the incoherence that comes with that kind of uh, view that tries to radically separate uh, your private, moral, religious stuff from, from public issues. Well, I bring that up to say we can all recognize that as being a problem, I think, when you're talking about moral issues like that. But what if we have that same mentality when it comes to the church? What if we say, the church is really just my private business? I go, I come, I do this or that, but it's just my business and everybody should stay out of it. How do you talk about the scriptures dealing with authority when that's the the mentality that many people bring to church? You see, in the midst of a culture like this, we run into scriptures like this one. Obey your leaders and submit to them. This is Hebrews 13. And what do you do with that? And I just want to ask you, do you accept that scripture? Well, I obey and submit to my leaders as long as they mind their own business. <laughs> well, what does submission mean if it's as long as they mind their own business? I will obey and submit to my leaders as long as I agree with them. Well, what does submission mean? If that's your attitude. Look at the next verse here. The next part of this verse. We're going to walk through the little pieces of it here. Obey and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your your souls. I want you to notice, first of all, that the responsibility of the leaders, when we say the elders here, is first of all care for people. That's the first concern. It's not administrative. It's not making decisions about the building. In fact, I think it's great when elders can find other people to do a lot of that stuff and really hand authority off to them, delegating authority. The first concern of elders and leaders is caring for people. The pastoral work, we would say, is the first work. And out of that arises a a relationship where there's an authority kind of structure. It's not, first of all, about organizational or institutional direction. And you see, this this, uh, applies to elders because it should should be a, a call for elders to be involved in people's lives and not just be distantly running the show. But it also applies to us as, as, as members, 
under eldership. Because we have to think about what is it that we actually expect an authority relationship to look like. And a number of people will say things like, well, it, uh, yeah, I believe elders have authority. They can set the direction for the church. They can make the decisions about where we want to go as a church. And that's good. That, that's true. I'm, uh, I'm on board with that. But the first place of authority is a personal kind of thing, a relational kind of authority. You see, what we've, what we've adopted with our privatization of faith is we've adopted a view of the church. It's like any other voluntary association, like a hunting club or a golf club. You join a golf club. Somebody leads it. Right? You decide to go. But they make decisions you don't like. You decide, ah, I don't like that golf club. You see what I'm saying? This is a, just, a, just a fundamental, I'm still in charge of most things. I just will, they can determine what the club does. But what if God doesn't want you in the church just to have people who are in charge like somebody's over a golf club or a hunting club? What if, what if the issue is care for people and help in directing us towards Christ and directing us in the kingdom? And what if we need things like that? And have you ever thought that God may have been trying to give us a gift by giving us people who with humility, who as servants at the core of their being, who then come to us and help guide us forward? And I want to say some things directly about that. This means that at times we may need to be rebuked. And this is so biblical. I mean, it's just stuff we don't, we don't read, but it's so biblical. And in our society, we've gotten so used to the most important thing being not to hurt anybody's feelings and not upset anybody that we can't even confront sin. And if, if elders try to confront sin, people say, well, I'll go down the road, and they won't know about my sin. And you know what happens? You keep sinning. <laughs> you keep living in sin. People start destroying relationships in the church. And if anybody in authority, any elder in authority, dares to intervene, they become a victim of the attacks of the people who are upset in those situations. What if we thought, no, it is the elder's business. And let me tell you, it's not fun business. It's not like people are jumping up and down for that job. But it is related to our spiritual life. It is related to our growth in Christ. And I say these things to you now while there's, there's so much wonderful peace and unity in this church that I'm so thankful for. I've been around long enough to know that probably there will be problems at some point. And babe, as we pursue Christ together, increasingly, hopefully, there'll be less than normal. Hopefully we won't see near as much as, as many churches do. But I'm sure there will be problems, there will be conflict. And I want to prepare us as a church to say, that is the elder's business. And we can work through it with the help of shepherds that God gives us to the glory of Christ. We don't have to run away from each other. We don't have to say, well, I'm going to go my way and live in bitterness now. But actually we can accept authority and grow together. 
That's, that's why this kind of thing matters. When we look at the, the authority of leaders in the church as club leaders, we severely, severely cripple the ability of those leaders to help us grow, to shepherd us in the way of Christ. And if they can't speak to us about us, what can they talk to us about? I was, I was given this kind of message in Kentucky a couple years ago, ordaining elders there, uh, other men that I greatly respect. And there was a guy there who was a radical individualist. I mean, probably nobody in here touches him. Uh, this kind of guy you'd see on a TV show who's building a bunker at his house. Not really, but close to it, uh, to, to fight against the, the world around him. And uh, he was listening to me talk about these kinds of things. And, and at a study, he, he, he raised his hand and he asked a question. He said, how far does this authority go? And I said, you know, that's a good question. I haven't really thought, thought that through. And I sat there for a minute and I said, you know, if these three men, it was three there too, um, if these three men in prayer were to come to me and say, Luke, this or that needs to change, I said, I'd do anything they said. Outside of something that's sinful, you know. But if that's the kind of thing they would tell me to do, I wouldn't be at that church anyway. <laughs> and that's what I believe. Uh, that's, that's the way I want to live my life. I want to have the discipline in myself of submission to people that God puts in the church to shepherd. I know that may be hard to hear. Again, you're, you're a product of your culture. I don't blame you if some of that's difficult to process. But take it in and pray about it. Ask the Lord to reveal the, the goodness of these kind of things. Let me say that, that this also depends on relationships. And uh, the writer of Hebrews was probably dealing with a much smaller church than the one we have here. And so we have to think about how to contextualize these things from that context to our context. And uh, uh, knowing people is a big part. And Tony was making comments about this today. Uh, uh, submission is related to trust. And for trust to build, you have to know people. And uh, that's hard to develop in a, a church this size. And what we need is really networks of communication, something that I've been working on here to try to help us with. We need networks of communication because the elders can't know everyone like they know some in the, in the church. And so we want to work on that and just be real about the challenges that are involved, to think about how these teachings apply in a different context, a different setting than they were in, in the first century. And I'm not saying everything's perfect or I've got it all worked out perfectly. Because relationships really do matter here. But I say, rather than minimizing authority, let's try to maximize love. All right? Instead of saying, well, let's just forget about authority. There's too many people. No, let's love people better. And in that love that's growing in the church, let's establish communication that stops at the top with the elders, but that goes straight down through the group where people are really loving each other and talking about what's real. So then we can really be helped in our growth. That's what I am after. I'm after discipleship to Christ that can really spread across the church. And I believe it's happening here. I believe God is doing mighty things among us here. Well, I talked last week about how trust is a big part of this. I told you all what Sydney had told me about trusting the elders. And uh, I won't wear that out, but I think it's so important. I want to say this. Many people decide they can't trust elders just because they disagree with them. I already mentioned this just a minute ago, but I'll just say a little bit more about it here. And you say, well, what do I do if I think they're wrong? 
Well, again, if you think there's something truly, clearly sinful, then that's different. You are responsible to God yourself. But many times that's not what we're dealing with in church conflict. Many times we're dealing with uh, difficult interpretive decisions. And I would encourage you to consider uh, that one of the goods, all right, one of the values to consider when, when those situations arise is the value of submission to those God has put in, in places of authority in the church. What if the rightness, being right in a situation, actually involves Submitting to someone else who may see things differently than you. Yeah, I think that's all I'll say about that. Okay, let's look to the next part. This relates to what we were just saying because, see, the, the elders are going to have to give an account to God for keeping watch over our souls. And you say, well, I'm going to have to give an account to God too. That's true, you are. But there's a difference. <laughs> Scriptures indicate there's a difference uh, in the accountability. Leaders, this is my hope, by the way, for, for many, many confused church people I know uh, who are in a lot of mess. My hope for them is that they um, are not as accountable as their leaders are. I'll put it that way. Elders have to give an account to God, so you don't have to necessarily hold them to account. And sometimes the, the freedom you may have is to say, I'm going to let them make that decision and let them be accountable for it. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. How many times is leadership a matter of groaning? You know what groaning is? When you're hitting the stomach or something, you, oh. But we also know what that's like when, when there are relational pains. Oh. I could call each of the elders up here right now, and I bet spontaneously they could start telling us about the groaning experiences of being a leader in the church. And you see, we get to have impact on whether or not that happens. We have say on whether or not that happens. And we can, we can submit in a way that allows the elders to, to lead without groaning, but instead with joy. And let me tell you, that joy then overflows in the church. And it's our joy too. It's hard it's hard to grow spiritually and not have joy. <laughs> joy is both the product of spiritual growth and it is a foundation for more spiritual growth. And we want joy to be in the church. We want relationships to be in a, a stable in a way where there's truly joy. And then notice this last part here. For that would be of no advantage to you. See, ultimately, what we're talking about is what's of advantage to the whole church. What is good for the church? And that is why God puts elders in place. is so that there is a, a working out of the good for the people. That is what we're really after here. 
we've been talking about congregational submission. Let me tell you that um, what we're really after overall is love. And God grants authority in the church so that love can abound. Elders loving people, people loving elders, people loving each other. Not that elders are not people, but I just got a little carried away right then. You know what I mean. Let me show you this passage, and we're going to move to a close here. Oh, I'm going to skip over this. I was going to spend some time in the Old Testament talking about, I'll come back to one of these passages in just a second, but I want to I look at what, what Paul says here very briefly. This is Paul talking about his own authority, dealing with Corinthians. Paul had a lot of people challenging his authority. And here at the end of 2 Corinthians, he says, For this reason I write these things while I am away from you. That when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of authority. And notice what he says, that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Notice first that he said this is the, the authority that the Lord had given him. That's what he understood. I don't think Paul thought he was the only one the Lord had ever gave authority to. In fact, I think that's the way we should view If it's healthy... In a church, we should view the authority as what God does. Acts chapter 20, Paul's talking to the elders there, and he tells them to shepherd the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he wasn't just saying, oh, it was a miracle. The Holy Spirit did it one time. (laughs) It was what he expected to be the reality. Generally, the Holy Spirit put people in these places of leadership. You see, if you don't believe that, uh uh-oh, my uh, PowerPoint, I'm afraid I messed it up. Um, Can y'all pull that back up? Um, There we go. Thank you. uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit puts people in places of authority. If you don't believe that, you're always going to be second-guessing those in places of authority. You may even think it's your job to second-guess those who are put in these places of authority because you don't realize that God has put them there. But if God has put them there, then uh, we take a different approach. And I should tell you, I, I was telling some, some people, uh, so some people, the, the people in the, the class today, that this does not come naturally to me. This is something I've learned over the years because I have uh, sort of conditioned myself to be radically independent in some ways. And I have said, I am going to be my own person and people are not going to tell me what to do. And that's the way I am. I don't want to be bossed around. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, that's not what elders are doing is bossing us around. But you know, it can be portrayed that way. And so when I talk to you about these things, I'm not talking to you necessarily about things that come naturally to me. In fact, if uh, the elders from the Darbone Church of Christ end up watching this, this sermon, they may be thinking, what's he talking about? <laughs> Given my past where I didn't necessarily live this out the best. Um, so I'm telling you things that I'm learning and growing in that I have learned and grown into over the years. But I believe that this is good for us, and I believe that this is what the Lord does. He gives this authority to people for the building up of others. And that's, that's where I want to close on. Uh, that's the point I want to close on. It's talking about uh, this idea of building up and not tearing down. That, that's seeing others, and it's caring about others. And that's the character of Christ. Jesus had authority, Right? But he used it to build others up. He was always stepping down so that others could go up. In Jeremiah 3, you get this prophecy 
Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord. Brother Gary read this for us this morning. For I am your master, I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You see, Jesus came and showed us the way the true shepherd is. And he gave us the over-shepherd, the ultimate, the chief shepherd, who is over the church. And every other shepherd after him then serves under him and serves with his character. At least this is the way it's supposed to be. That taste of the future is present now. We're supposed to have shepherds after Jesus' own heart. And those shepherds are people who are looking to build others up, not to use their authority to tear people down. And that's what we have here. And I want to tell you this doesn't just apply at the highest levels. This applies to all of us in various ways where we lead. I want to say to you, parents, use the authority God has given you to build your children up. Grow group leaders, use the authority that God has given you in that context to build people up. Those of you involved in teaching classes in this church, use the authority you have in that context to build people up. That is the Lord Jesus. And as those who have varying degrees of leadership, we have a position, whatever it is, we have a position where we we are able to build people up in a way that others can't. Use that for the glory of God. Use the authority you have received to build people up. And when that happens, the beauty of Jesus is being seen. God's kingdom is coming among us. And that is what we really want. We don't want to, we don't want to obey rules about, oh, well, there's leaders now, great. <laughs> I accept it, I'll submit. What we want is to say, we are a part of a brand new society. There's a new creation at work in our world. God has done it. This is marvelous in our eyes. And what it means is leadership relationships have transformed. Where primarily we understand leaders to be servants, true servants. And yet, as we see that, as as, as we see servants among us as leaders, we say we humbly, gladly, with love and joy, we submit to them. And in this way, we grow in Christ. I offer it to you in the name of Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for giving us uh, this context. Thank you for placing us here where we have leaders we can truly respect. Teach us your ways, Lord Jesus. And give us all the heart of service, the heart that you showed us. And we pray in your name. Amen.